0: To have a drink at the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee
1: Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. And today, today we have with us uh, Justin Lavon
2: and Brandon Flone.
1: And they're both with the Void Sake Company. Did I get that right, guys? Yep. yep. All right, yeah. just mm-hmm. want to make sure. Um, so today we're going to be talking a little bit about what, Brittany? Sake. Not, not sake. <laughs> i, like, why Sorry, are you doing I this felt thing? like i just took over there at that <laughs> oh, point no. and yeah, i was like fine. i believe need to me. hand it back <laughs> believe um, me you guys are fine so we've had this great opportunity to come in and talk about some sake and uh, not only to talk about and taste it but to, to kind of go through the process and uh, go through a little bit of what makes um, this sake company here in lexington kentucky different um then. what
3: than the other sake company that doesn't exist. <laughs> so anymore. well,
4: that's it, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, right. It should be pointed out our knowledge base has been woefully lacking in certain areas. So for the show, I'm sure it's a no news to anyone that we've been focusing on a lot of things that we don't know a lot about recently because we want to know. So wine has been a huge part of the show recently. We've been uh, we've been <laughs> balls deep in a lot of wine, and so we did a sake episode. It's was not that uncomfortable? <laughs> what was that like year two? Did we did the sake I episode. Think so. I can't don't even remember. To it. We <laughs> didn't know it exists.
3: You can get some general history of. Yeah,
4: you get some general history and us screwing up pronouncing a lot of things. Oh, that's. I mean, that's not. But that was show. what was what was everyone's consensus there. I know I can go back and remember that I decided, don't like sake. Uh,
3: no, I was like, yeah. I mean. It's, it's good, depending on what you
4: get. That's the point, I was going to say, because what we got was all mass market, just like diluted, whatever crap you can get at the liquor store. Whereas now, we're lucky enough to be coming into the craft sake world. Which is really nice. Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Void, and um, a little bit about the business, the kind of the, the thought process behind it.
2: Yeah, uh, well, uh, for starters, Justin and I met uh, way back a few years ago. He started working uh, at Ethereal Brewing, where I work at, mm-hmm. and uh, from there we uh, we just kind of explored fermentation. And uh, we had this uh, really neat event there where we were inspired by Japanese cuisine. So uh, we discovered koji, and
3: yeah, I, I remember that event. That was a that was a fun day. It was. It was mm-hmm.
2: a very fun day, and koji just blew our minds. And so, kind of from there, we just uh, kept exploring it really looked into like making sake which is really a lot different than what you expect and uh we we were just we were enamored by it so we just kept going with it and uh from there we kind of were exploring like the possibility of you know a sake brewery um Justin had always wanted to open up a meadery but weren't really sure if a meadery is like you know what needs to be uh going on in Kentucky I don't you know they're kind of up nationally but there's just such a uh, uniqueness about a sake brewery and a you know there's only 20 or so craft sake breweries in america um there's a lot more wow. meteries and there's a whole bunch more breweries yeah <laughs> so we kind of just explored that idea a bit justin started doing a lot of research and design doing some small scale sake batches at home and we just kept refining the process and tasting and uh you know reached out to several other craft sake breweries around America, which is, you know, it's just like the brewing industry where everybody is so helpful and really just wants to see you succeed. I mean, they were super excited that another, you know, sake brew is possibly going to open up. So. Yeah.
3: Um, I have to imagine there's like so, someone else is in the club. Come on. Let's, <laughs> let's yeah. tell you what we know. What have you thought of? Yes. Let me, let me share some of that too. I want to. Yeah,
2: definitely.
5: So, yeah. We truly stand on the shoulders of giants. Like cause Brooklyn Cora and Brooklyn helped us a lot. Mm. North American sake also. Um, in proper down in Nashville, oh, okay. so they gave us a lot of insights on like equipment, processes, um, and just general like you know market trends and like what do they see like getting getting their their insight on the industry. All
1: so. right, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the space here because you talked a little bit about you know it's it's not a huge space, but you've kind of got some some room potentially to grow and and so. What you're doing here in this amount of space is actually, I think, pretty amazing. Uh, tell us a little bit about that.
5: Well, the, um, right now we're in, it's like an industrial complex. So there's, um, but there's a bunch of different, it's an industrial complex that was converted into like a bunch of shops. And so in that one area we're nestled in and the space itself, is about 1,800 square feet, but it's, it functions as our retail and taproom space and also our production space. And so basically, everything goes on in this space. And if you ever come by our space, you'll see it. It goes from front to back in terms of processes where we do our, wa- our uh, washing, soaking, steaming, uh, koji making, and, um, and fermentation. So, um, and it's everything is pretty much on wheels. So, everything is mobile because uh, we knew that we were going to be working with a small space. Yeah. Um,
1: and what size batches are you doing right now whenever you do a normal? Your normal, I guess that's that's early in the process to say what normal is. But, yeah. but kind of what are you looking for now?
5: Right now, uh, our batch sizes are 600 liters. Um, we have the capacity to grow up to 1,000 in those tanks. Uh, but, yeah, roughly it's about 600 liters awesome. per batch. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, I was going to ask about, so you guys came from Ethereal, were you just playing also into that with the, when you went with the name and like the theming of the void, like ethereal, the void, like to me, like in my like D and D and like Warhammer mind, and just like, it's, so it's just it's almost an extension, theming wise.
2: Yeah, we didn't really intend for that, uh, honestly. <laughs> so it actually does have some D and D roots. So Justin, myself, Joe, our third partner. And a few other friends we have a d and d group and we just did uh we did a campaign that was kind of like i don't know they're giant sea creatures and things like that and we just kind of i mean i was just freshly into d and d as well so I was just getting really inspired by a lot of the imagery and and uh the whole you know the whole
5: uh tentacle theme yeah <laughs> <and laughs> <love> craft <laughs> yeah, definitely
2: and there's like you know you have that kind of some of those elements in d and d as well so yeah. we just kind of explored that uh and i mean the imagery is just so cool there's just so much you can do with it. So we're kind of taking it, trying not to fall into, like, the ethereal kind of stuff. You know, we're definitely doing a lot more, like, tentacle and... Nautical. Yeah, base kind of Interdimensional
5: stuff. monster theme. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, more you could, out
2: there, I'd say.
4: You could do some, like, Warhammer 40K stuff with that from, like, yeah. The Warp and <laughs> some...
5: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Nurgle might show up
4: on one of the labels sharing, <laughs> so. Just like, Some oh. horrible, like, <laughs> Zeech stuff showing up. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so... You, you touched on,
1: and I think we need to go through, because our previous um, explanation of the process,
4: I think, was elementary at its very best. Mm-hmm. I think um, it
3: could be summed up by uh, saying, it's like brewing with extra steps.
4: Well, the, okay, I guess the other clarification and question to ask is, because when I told everyone where we were going and what it was, they're like, you mean the distillery, right? Because like, mm-hmm. they're like, it's a spirit. And I was like, good question. <laughs> I'll be sure to ask it. But I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's brewing, not distilling. So. Yeah, define that for us. Uh, tell us a little bit
1: about. I know there's some weirdness between the state and national levels on on licensing. So tell us a little bit about that.
5: Yeah, so I guess at its like root or its, its simplest, sake is just fermented rice, um, but it is brewed like a beer. That's what we tell people. It's brewed like a beer. We're a sake brewery. Um, it's in the U.S. Uh, there's some language barriers, and then uh, trying to classify it or classify it in something in our current system that doesn't really fit. So it's often called rice wine. Well, you also have barley wines and you also have honey (laughs) wines. So really it's just, it's a higher proof or alcohol. So that's where that language comes from. Uh, but because of that, they, and then also some, uh, types of sake also use, uh, Bruise alcohol or uh, lightly dispilled spirits back into it to dilute it. And that was in the history just to get more volume out of it Um, without going too much into the weeds that usually came about in World War II when (laughs) rice was was short. short And and then they were like, well, (laughs) we can, instead of water using more rice, we can just add alcohol to it and get it. So that's where that um, language of a distillery or a distilled spirit i think came from and and but so
1: the distilled spirit that they used at that time it would have been something else other than like a rice distilled distilled spirit
5: probably i think it, it i'm not sure the answer to that but I, it's just called bruise alcohol it probably it oh, okay. may have been with sugar cane or rice or just whatever they had a neutral grains or neutral grain spirit okay awesome All
1: right. so you started off with washing the mm-hmm. washing phase well Let's take a step back, I guess. Let's let's talk about the rice and and the the main product that you're using here. Um, we've not, got.
3: It's not like right off the table you know, you or shelf. You rice. don't go down to
4: Kroger and buy a. <laughs> it's not a bag, of Uncle Ben's. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: let's talk a little bit about mm-hmm. like what kind because you know we we see on on the shelves jasmine rice, we see mm-hmm. um, um, long grain rice, those types of things. What kind of rice are you starting with here?
5: Yeah, generally in sake making, you want to use. Uh, Well, we use uh, short or medium grain rice um, that's been milled down. It's not, like, crushed, but basically the outside layers have been, like, sloughed off.
1: Kind of polished. Yeah,
5: Yeah. like a a polish. Um, Table rice is normally polished to about 90%, meaning that, like, it's 90% of its original weight. Uh, In sake making, you want to remove as much of the outer layers as you can because that does – it gives it more robust flavor but also can give it some off flavors. So that's why they mill it lower so they can get a re- more refined like product. Um, and you're getting more starches and less of the, the stuff that they don't want. So typically sake rice or higher grade premium sakis are anywhere from 70% or lower. So like with ours, we use 70% uh, cow roast rice, which is just a, an American grown uh, rice that's related to... Some of the original Japanese strains, but just grown for U.S. consumers.
2: Yeah. yeah, I would. I would also note that sake rice is made for brewing sake. Yes. It's not made yeah. for consumption otherwise. So it's
5: kind of like cider apples. Yeah, like that's so a good you, comparison. Yeah, you wouldn't want that normally. <laughs> yeah. So.
1: What What is it about Says you uh, it, that makes it? I think better for. The, the flavor and what you're getting in, in sake versus what you're wanting to eat on the table. What, what are the kind of the two different or what are the things that kind of separate it out?
2: The higher uh, higher starch content for oh, sure gotcha. Yeah. like plumper grains pretty much. yeah And yeah. they're
5: more like so if you look at some rice, the the endosperm is pretty loosely spread throughout the whole or all the starches are loosely spread throughout the whole like inner part. Sake rice, it's grown to like concentrate all of that into the middle. So that they can remove more and more of the outer layers, but still get as much starch as they can.
1: Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So after you've got your your rice supplied from whatever supplier that is, and it's been polished, um, it's got a lot of that stuff still on the outside, right? So that gets us to the the washing phase, I guess. Yeah,
5: just like you wash like table rice. uh, Otherwise, it makes stinky rice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You wash that away, uh, and it's really just the like. Rice flour, talc, or whatever they use to, to grind or or polish that away. Um, rice polishing with the with sake rice is very different. They had they don't use like a um, like a grinding wheel. It's more like a it's a vertical mill. So basically, they uh, conveyor it up, drop it in, and it just kind of bounces around and just kind of like nicks off the outside.
3: Plinko's till finished.
5: Yeah, basically. <laughs> I
4: like that. Yeah. Yeah,
5: plinko till done. Uh, but it. So it's, it's a very slow, laborious polishing step. And, um, like for, to basically just to give kind of give you an idea, um, when you're milling 70%, it usually takes like a couple of hours to get that extra 10%. It's like several more hours. So it's not like a linear, like, yeah. oh, it's just 10%. It should take 10% more time. No, it's, considerably longer because you don't want to damage the grain because you want the grains intact.
2: Yeah, if they heat up during that process, they'll crack. So mm-hmm. you want to keep it slow and low and it can take days at a time to get some of the finer polishing rates. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah.
5: So washing, yeah, so going to that, we're, we're removing the, the the dust and stuff from milling from polishing um, and then once that's all uh, washed away, then we soak the rice because when we're steaming, we, we don't want to like i guess steam the entire or fully gelatinize or fully convert the entire grain we just want the inside moisture to to heat up and cook the rice not like when you're in a uh like an instant pot and it's fully gelatinized and just breaks apart super easy
1: okay so you kind of want some some you want some moisture
5: the... inside sure. of it yeah. and that's what cooks it
1: a- and the you're really heating that inside the water that's already Mm -hmm. inside of it rather than adding anything in the, in the steam process. Mm
5: -hmm. And so, yeah, that helps us make a, I call it an al dente rice, but (laughs) it's something where I can easily manipulate it, work it and separate the grains. Um, but all of this helps to give a more controlled, consistent fermentation. Uh, so like if you have cracks, um, then the water is going to, more water is going to absorb in, then the rice isn't going to dissolve properly, and mm-hmm. then you're just going to get, like, a huge sugar load. So, so
3: is there anything other than just kind of, like, feel, or is there some way you can particularly see that, like, oh, no, this this messed up, can't use this?
5: <laughs> it's a lot of feel, yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of, like, experience, and you're, like, you look, like, as it's soaking, I'll get, like, a black, like, plate and, like, look at, like, get a representative sample and look the grains i'm like all right that looks good or it's absorbed Mm -hmm. about you know what i like or there's a lot of cracks i am be like damn it
3: (laughs) and i guess if if, if there are a lot of cracks it's just this batch is no good no or is there salvaging you can
5: well so yeah you you at that point you would give like a go no go Mm -hmm. but there will be some cracking in there just from process and handling but it it lets you know what to expect okay more or less okay
3: mm-hmm. uh and so then i guess by that stage you've you've got a bunch of beginning to cook rice mm-hmm. uh from there you're going to need rice that can break down and actually turn into sugars mm-hmm. uh which rice does not do
4: yeah like <laughs> beer
3: brewing
5: you have malted barley and so you're using the embryo to produce those enzymes rice that embryo has been scratched away okay so it's no longer there so we use other organisms and that's where the koji mold comes Mm -hmm. from and so we culture that on freshly steamed rice and that produces our enzymes that will break down the starches into sugar for the yeast
1: and uh, one of the really cool things uh, we got to see today was your koji room, mm-hmm. oh. and to see that that those wood lined walls, the cedar, I guess it was
4: mm-hmm. w- lined walls. It's it smells amazing <laughs> in there. It's like walk. It's like a sauna. That smell. It's just awesome. It just smells it's, awesome.
3: And I have I have to imagine to get everything you need in there, it turns into a sauna. Oh yeah. From a hot
5: moist rice room. <laughs> 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 just,
3: yeah. Oh now I'm all sticky, covered in rice.
5: Oh, so yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah. One, one thing you learn quickly about sake making is it is a very laborious, very hands on process.
3: It feels like that's the, that's just <laughs> something about most things from like a Japanese <laughs> yeah, thing. Yeah. It's like, Definitely. what do you do? I want to work the hardest I possibly can to make something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't there an easier way to do this? Yes. That's not what we're doing. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
5: No, there's automated koji machines, but people are like, no. That's bad. <laughs> I must have my hands in it and on it, and I like mean it just feels more authentic at that point. <laughs> and you can
1: catch things, like you were saying. You look at the rice as you're steaming it to make sure that that this is the right direction you're going in. I think mm-hmm. being able to catch those things as you go through the process lets you kind of. If you're using some of the machinery, you may not get that that same catch.
5: Yeah, yeah, it. it yeah, and you, you, <laughs> yeah, you see it throughout the whole process, and you, you there's a connection that you get with it um, that, you know, I'm basically touching this. It's like a very sensory thing. There's tactile, Mm -hmm. visual, uh, like I'm smelling it. Like when I'm doing the Koji, if it doesn't smell right, then that tells me, oh, it needs to go a little longer uh, or taste. But with the, um, particularly that going back to the the sauna in there, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, basically I have these big bags that I'll just, lift out like <laughs> and then walk right into the room dump it over and it's just yeah like fresh rice out of the instant pot that's just and it's like you know over a 100 pounds of that rice so it quickly just like you can't see the inside of the room from the yeah. outside because there's so much moisture yeah. and then after it cools then yeah it's you know working at 95 to 100 humidity at like 100 degrees and you so,
1: were, you were saying that the room and the way the room was built it, that that has a lot to play with that humidity mm-hmm. that you have in the room, um, helping to control that.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you want for for koji to grow, it needs heat, uh, air, and moisture. And so it needs you know about human body temp temperatures to grow, and then you need uh, a very humid, swampy environment. I wouldn't say swampy. It's not like <laughs> Not like a sauna, but it is uh, it is moist compared to, like, your house. So we're looking at 70 to 80% humidity somewhere in there. Um, but that wood just helps it trap and release that humidity slower, or s- more slowly. Um, so I'm not having to, like, pump in uh, moist air into the room to, to do that.
1: Kind of helps regulate itself.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got a... Gorgeous mahogany table. That's everything's getting tossed onto. It, it's,
4: so when you first see the table, you're like, "Is this a rack or is this some kind of sex thing in here? Like, is this <laughs> is this a wooden sex room? Like, I mean, what's my, going on?"
3: My thought was a giant D and D table, but. I'm a nerd. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I thought <laughs> that to too. To each
4: their own, I mean. <laughs> my, my first thought was like, wow, this looks like a big, awesome custom table. And that's so I'm like, oh, did you guys get this custom made? And then my, my second thought was, oh, but the person who could
2: make this could definitely make a kick-ass gaming table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say so. She's a local artist. Um, we were lucky enough to uh, talk to Brandon up at Brooklyn Cora, and he shared the information about their Kochi table, and that's where we originally saw – this uh, mm-hmm. this thing, and I, it's just beautiful. Theirs was really nice, and we went to someone we knew was very talented, her name was Anna Gregory. Um, she's out of Midway, and we approached her about it, and she was super excited, because it's like, you know, commissions like this, you don't really get. This is just <laughs> totally unique. How
3: often does someone come up and say, I need a table to make koji rice on, the
2: yeah. yeah, especially, like, you know, something that's made out of mahogany, because that's not usually an often used material. Yeah. And she was like, I have some pieces of mahogany I've been holding on to that are beautiful that I'd love to just use on this. And we were like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it just worked out really well um, for her, and she nailed it. I mean, the thing is, it's beautiful, and it works perfectly. So, yeah.
3: So, uh, it, now, why why exactly does it have to be a mahogany other than it looks and smells amazing? <laughs>
5: Well, it's like being in a hot and humid environment, I didn't want the wood to rot. I mean, fair. Yeah. So um, as far as like we wanted a neutral kind of uh, rot resistant, like high humidity Mm -hmm. wood. And so that's where mahogany came in. Otherwise, like like I was mentioning before when we were in the room that after I add the koji or I turn the koji, my mask smells like cedar, so it's it's pretty aromatic. And we did, we didn't want that flavor to leach into yeah. the sake, even though it probably would be amazing. But we just didn't want that. <laughs> not every batch. No, not <laughs> in every <laughs> batch. <laughs> not, so, I- not
3: everything has to taste like a barrel. Yeah,
5: <laughs>
3: but don't, yeah. the irony of me saying that is pretty <laughs> pretty severe. But
5: but yeah, we wanted uh, like a neutral wood that could hold up to the conditions of the room, yeah. and that's why mahogany came in. I'm sure there's other woods, but. But that's the the one that we chose, yeah, and it looks great,, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, Koji rice, so that is what you're using to kind of generate the enzymes that can break <coughs> excuse me, break the starches in rice down to sugar, so but that's not the only rice you use in making sake. It, mm-hmm. It's part of the the ingredient, but you use more steamed rice mm-hmm. along with that., yeah. talk, talk a little bit about that how much and and where. Yeah, so
5: a lot of the, the nice thing about uh, with some sake recipes is all volumetric. So it's like twenty percent of the total rice is your koji. Uh, you can go more for different, you know, flavor profile or less, but usually about twenty percent of your of your rice is koji rice, and the rest is just freshly steamed rice. Huh. So that, and then in addition to water. Um, you're looking at about out of, out of your total rice that you're using, including the you know the rice to be steamed and the rice to be kojied, you're adding about 130 to 140 percent water, okay? Uh, so it's it makes it like really easy. So it's not like all right, if I'm doing you know with like beer, like you know, this much percentage or you know, this much is my base and then like these. 1%, half a percent, or this, these different grains and a different ratio or different roasted grains or whatever. So it's, yes, guess I'm saying it's, it's easier, but that, yeah, so that's pretty much the recipe breakdown, the most simplest. You breakdown. have pretty much
1: a base, mm-hmm. a base ingredient list that you can go off for everything. Yeah,
5: and then we can, I mean, in that too, you can play with different rice varieties to give you different flavors, different uh, yeasts, and different koji strains.
1: Ooh, so I had not even thought about the different koji strains. Yeah. I was just thinking one, one different koji, one, but oh.
5: one koji fits all. <laughs> <But> Apparently <laughs> not. <laughs> it's it's one of those things. Like you know, all b- uh, brewing yeast is like Saccharomyces cerevisiae, but right. there's hundreds and hundreds of strains, and it's you know with uh, koji, Saccharomyces or um, Aspergillus orosa- oriz- ah, Sorry, I'm getting tongue tied. Uh, Aspergillus oriz- Um It is. There's you know many many different strains uh, since it's been domesticated yeah. so.
1: each each sake yeah. brewery I'm sure has kind of raised their own variety of it just like we, we've got you know uh, all these different breweries that have their own strains yeah. it, it probably comes from each brewery being their own. Yeah,
5: there's some regionality there but yeah for the most part like most of the Koji comes from four different places in Japan really they, that has it banked. Uh, okay, so
1: much like yeah. I, I see the the gator you're wearing today is White Labs gator, and so yeah. much like we've got White Labs <laughs> here in the states, you would have a a bank of koji uh, spores. Yeah, at that stage.
5: the koji, uh, koji gateway or the uh, gatekeepers, rather. <laughs> oh, <laughs> all
1: right. Um, so, in sourcing your ingredients, uh, you, just to touch on this, you are using American or rice made mm-hmm. for the American. Uh, Use, I guess, but then your your spores are coming directly from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, what about yeast wise? Are you using like a just a standard L yeast or a, a sake specialized it's a, yeast? It's or? a sake, yeast, okay.
5: yeah, and it's we get that from a uh yeast supplier here in the states, okay. Uh, BSI, awesome. is oh, what yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we it's a sake number nine yeast.
1: And I'm sure in your time that you spent experimenting over the last few years, what was it about? that yeast that kind of have you have you tried the other um yeast strains out there what was it about that one that you really liked
5: well really in the U.S. there's only two that you can get okay there's I think there's upwards of like 18 or 20 different yeast strains or more in Japan but uh they're not banked here or uh we'd have to get them straight from Japan yeah and yeah, I, don't, I don't imagine that would be cheap live cultures yeah. direct would it wouldn't be cheap and it wouldn't like it just wouldn't be very practical yeah. in terms of like planning out batches and and whatnot so like it takes you know a week to grow up the yeast f- from Colorado mm. to get it to us so mm, okay. um, but it's really only number seven and number nine are the two most like commercially produced yeast strains and so we Sorry about that. <laughs> You're okay. Um, we started with number seven just because it was the most available. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we yeah. tried number nine when we could get it because White ah. Labs, it's seasonal. Um, ah, okay. So that's where, you know, we tried the number seven. We did – it still made good sake. We just didn't like the that flavor profile that it gave and because um, that one you get – bubblegum in terms of like, ba- and also banana and some other so fruity so that, esters. Yeah, yeah.
2: That, that sort of Belgianish yeah. character. Yeah. It wasn't as clean as uh, number nine, but yeah. we got out of nine. Nice.
5: So. Yeah, and so we like that cleaner profile. Uh, it also is much more, uh, it, or it's much more expressive in the esters. Ooh. So you get things like melon and cantaloupe, honeydew, like things
1: like that. Nice. Um, I, I know we've got three bottles here in front of us. Is there, Ooh. do we want to have, have a drink not? now while we are Let, Let's get one cracked and yeah. going. You, you that?
3: Yeah, do we want to start with. Uh,
5: yeah, we'll start with the uh, the messenger, which is our our junmai.
4: So they are capped and bottled, uh, but they aren't like they're not really pressurized inside there at all. No, they're okay. not
2: carbonated. We uh, we pasteurize them all. Pretty much all sake is pasteurized unless you have something called anama, um, because of the enzymes that are in the koji. They'll just keep they'll just keep breaking stuff down unless you stop <laughs> so. them. So you really have to pasteurize something to kind of arrest that process and to stabilize the flavor.
4: So I can just uh, – it could be recapped or corked after <laughs> you've popped it. You don't have to pop it, and you're like, well, I'm committing to this whole <laughs> bottle.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, oxygen-resistant, too, compared to wine and beer especially. It it can sit – You know, if you pop, it, pop a bottle open, you can put it in your fridge, and it won't really change much in flavor for a few weeks probably. Wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's great so to know.
3: It's not a – not a pringle situation once you've popped you just don't stop
1: it's <laughs> well you could <laughs> but I
2: you mean, don't have and, to but yeah <laughs> i mean we, we put ours in 500 ml bottles so i mean it's not too much for someone to take down yeah and what's the uh what's
1: the
4: abv on on your <laughs> traditional soccer <laughs> uh, uh 15
2: percent 15. Mm-hmm.
4: so now we get the great radio moment of <laughs> <laughs> everyone everyone like
3: liquid has been poured in front of us we've all agreed we can drink now uh-huh. <sighs>
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm. So, talk a little bit about about this <gasps> specific um, varietal. Uh, I, how, <laughs> what would I say there? I mean, uh, style. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd say okay. style. Uh, like ju- so, junmai. Um, what is what is junmai as far as sake is concerned?
5: So, in sake, junmai just means like all natural. It's kind of like all natural. So, it's like all rice. Got pure rice, pure so rice. no additional
1: yeah. alcohol added in mm-hmm. at, that, no. at that stage. Yeah. Yeah.
5: so it's just pure rice, uh, koji, and yeast. Um, but um, yeah, so that all all of our sakis are junmai in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, this this is more of the classic like filtered junmai because it, it is clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. and we use seventy percent milled rice. Uh, so that that. A lot of the sake styles in Japan are based on their tax system, and so they're not really like styles, more or less grades okay. of okay, sake. Yeah. So, Junmai and the, the higher-end sakes, Junmai, uh, I wouldn't say is the lowest, but it's, it's at the bottom, and then you go up to like Ginjo, which uses 60% milled rice or less, and then Dai Genjo okay. is 50% or less mill rate. Um, And then because of that, they do have some distinct flavors, flavor and aroma profiles to it. Um, But since we use 70% uh, milled rice on ours, uh, they're that Gen Mai.
1: And what um, kind of what would you say as far as your flavor profile for the messenger, which mm-hmm. is what what this one is? Um, what are kind of the flavor profiles that you get out of this? I'm getting some some bright fresh fruit type yeah. green apple. A little I get bit. Not savory.
4: A I get like mm-hmm. deep savory, like seared seared steak kind of.
3: I was gonna say yeah, and I was getting a lot of a lot of like f- I wouldn't say uh, like a lot of fruit, like a um, what's the one I'm thinking of? Uh, can
5: Cantaloupe,
3: yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah. Get a lot
4: of melon, yeah. melon. out of this. Melon, yeah. Yeah. So, what about the uh,
3: <laughs> the weird? Person? Okay, yes. Let's. How much like red uh, like uh, uh, Campbell's tomato soup is this? That's um, only Vienna loggers.
0: <laughs> um, the uh, I got it, it was much sweeter than I anticipated it being, because I don't either. I. Just don't recall what it tasted like or I wasn't able to actually have the sake when we did our episode. Um, because of the whole baby thing. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh but yeah, much sweeter than I thought. I'm definitely getting the melon mm-hmm. situation. Uh cantaloupe specifically. After you said that, I was like, Oh yeah. Uh I'm not getting a lot of the savory bit. Um uh, also a little bit of pear, oddly. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I very much enjoying it. Yeah. No. Uh no no weird flavors this time. Okay. I don't know. We'll wait till the next one. You, you, yeah. The, <laughs> sorry.
3: Yeah. We make fun of Brittany for
5: uh, uh she's I'm probably a gonna... super
1: taster, but at this stage we just <laughs> make fun yeah, of her. No, no,
5: yeah. The baby yeah. did weird things to her like It percentage. did. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> That's why Casey started cashing
2: in on it. He's like, "So I've got to know I need to borrow
4: your super taster." <laughs>
5: All right, sorry, didn't mean to
3: interrupt you. Could
2: oh, I was just saying uh, there are a lot of different things that go into the flavor of sake. Um, mm-hmm. As far as you have like the esters, you have those fruity notes we're getting. Sometimes people, you know, kind of associate that with sweetness because those are fruits and right. the fruits are sweet um you get uh, the savoriness that he was talking about uh the umami character that you get and that is from koji and so that mm. adds a richness and a depth of flavor
3: i actually just got that other last bit of that i just yeah
2: so that
4: like, that I explains it like all like, then so it's the koji that's really given that flavor yeah, in yeah. this and it's i guess not like big mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's
5: very earthy mm-hmm. mushroom um if you ever smell I mean, with, when i'm making the koji you'll get like a very earthy mushroom chestnut oh. like <laughs> aroma out mm. of it i
3: mean um, that that would make sense as it's mold. Yeah.
5: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that it because of the cocktail of enzymes that it's that it's producing that breaks down the the rice, you're going to get a, a bunch of different flavors and you get that savory umami that you taste in a lot of Japanese and Asian cuisine mm-hmm. that translates into that too.
1: And and Brandon like you were saying, you know, you get that perception of sweetness, but this uh, Really has no sweetness left in it at a certain yeah. point, like actual sugar, as mm-hmm. far as those those things go.
5: Yeah, as far as sakis go, this is a uh, this is a dry sake. So we yeah. we we tend to like the drier stuff, um, and that reflects kind of like our our brands and our style. There, you can have some sweeter stuff, mm-hmm. um, but ours are dry. And like the wine world, it'd be like dry off dry, in terms of that. A-, a
0: menu on that one <laughs> I, I cannot handle all this the super sweet stuff yeah
1: yeah uh my you know i do like one and, and i'm sorry if i'm dropping some some uh, the henna waka the mm. pink bottle you get at all these sushi restaurants as far as like sweet sake goes that's the only one that i'll go to like that that's mm-hmm. kind of the only direction but um man uh, that's really nice. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's one of those things that's kind of. It's a small glass, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like I feel like that's a critique. N- I feel like <laughs> it's a small glass. Talk about the glassware because I feel like it needs to be bigger. Personally,
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we when we uh, right now we're drinking out of um, they're called seishu cups or sake cups, um, but they're they're very similar. Uh, in terms of, like, size to the Ochocos or the the ceramic cups that you get, but these are, like, two-ounce I think cups. Um, But, uh, you know, like every, like Justin was saying earlier, like, every drink has their own glass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, uh, depending on, like, if you're drinking something that's real, like, umami-forward or richer, you have one type of glass, or if it's delicate and refined, like a ginjo or daiginjo, you have, like, a different kind of glass. But, this one's probably the best rep gives you the best representation of like pretty much most sakis. And,
1: and uh, really like you know you've got a big bowl so you get all the aroma mm. kind of collected there. It's also I mean if you're talking fifteen percent you probably shouldn't be slamming these back in yeah. pints. No. But <laughs>
5: <laughs> but it also to it, it's for like a mouth texture too because with the richness and the umami uh, the richness and umami that the koji give you you get like a nice tactile. Like experience mm. when you when you drink it with like a wider mouth cup. Mm. So
3: interesting. Uh, so I think we had left off in the sake making process, at <laughs> toss it of making koji, and
1: yeah. then so mixing that with freshly steamed rice. Mm-hmm. Um, do you cool the rice before you add the yeah. koji to it? Because otherwise, I'm sure it would, it would kill. Yeah. Um, the koji that's there.
5: Yeah, you want it. You, you I usually cool it to about 100 degrees okay. Fahrenheit. Um, And then as I'm, like, kneading it into the rice, it cools down to about uh, 80, 85 degrees. Okay. Because it's Uh, moving around, getting mm air circulation on it finally. Yeah, and I want those spores to, like, you know, get all around all the rice. I just don't want it on the top layer. All up in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, then that gets wrapped up like a big moldy baby diaper. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. You tuck it away for a little bit until it grows, and then once it starts gen- growing and goes through that exponential phase of growth, it starts generating a lot of heat. Mm. And so then you got to, like, physically, like, break it up and knead it with your hands. And Otherwise, it makes a mat.
1: And so you're putting the fresh rice with yeah. the koji rice all together and letting it do this after that that— so this mm-hmm. is like all the whole volume of rice you're going to use. Oh no, this is only like twenty. Oh, okay. This like 20, uh, 20, yeah. oh, okay. 20 so this is just for the the koji rice side just, of things. Okay. But just awesome. if it's
3: in that thing for a while, it starts
1: to generate its own yeah. heat, mm-hmm. and, and exothermic now, and all that. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, once upon a time, we had gone. Me and Casey had gone to an event where they taught us about how to homebrew sake, which yeah. is where most of any knowledge <laughs> I have about. We you know, we had a, a one hour I, session. I, was the only <laughs> way I learned what the word koji was, and I was like, oh, <laughs> that exists. Okay, uh, but that guy had spoken of like, you know, he's like, he would just generate his own Koji. Like he, it's mold. He just kind of keeps, takes a little bit off and then he'll, he'll make some more mm-hmm. out of, mm-hmm. out of the thing. Uh, is that feasible at this scale to like cultivate your own or is, is it just better just to get a whole. It's
5: usually just easier to buy the spores. Yeah. Cause they'll, they'll grow it up and like it, 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 you, we could do it. It's just more time consuming. and It wouldn't be as consistent. Yeah. 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 That's let a so lab they, take care yeah, of it. Yeah, yes, They're exactly. much better at like getting consistent like Koji than I would be. So I'd rather just buy the higher quality product and use something that I know behaves the way I know it's going to behave.
1: As much as I want to dive into like the genetic drift of Koji in <laughs> <laughs> this process, I know I'm going to lose a lot of folks on that one. So we'll we'll pass over my my
3: Ted t- on that one. But um, it's like when we pass up uh, depletion stories in our news episodes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, nothing gets gets us excited like that. But everyone was like, "No, no one cares." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, taking that koji and mixing it with the fresh rice in one of your larger, is, is that when it goes in the, the open top fermenters? Mm-hmm. Is is that, that stage? So that with water and and how anything else? What what goes in there? Yeah.
5: So basically, the the uh, it's very similar to. Whiskey making in terms of the mash and the fermentation all happen in the same vessel. Uh, but once the koji's done, then we'll put in some water, add our koji, um, yeast, and then fresh steamed rice. And then uh, during that process, we're gonna step feed it, uh, just because we want to grow. We want the yeast to grow up in terms of numbers and health before we just dump everything in there. Because then they won't be able to handle it, and they'll get stressed, and then you're going to get like a sweeter sake.
1: Yeah, so you're kind of like as as you you'd make a small batch, and then add to that small batch some more, yep. um, some more ingredients, I guess, everything except for the yeast. Uh, yeah. More water, more more koji at that stage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And more rice, and yeah. and kind of keep that adding in mm-hmm. to the process.
5: Yeah. So we do like three feedings, and that's uh, the. Um, the the mashing process yeah so you start off with a smaller volume and then you double that volume and then you double that volume to get to your full full volume <laughs> it's a lot of doubling but <laughs> <laughs> but yeah you're 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 step stepping up the volume and uh, the ingredients with each with each step
1: awesome um, so it ferments out right so in this process you're you're taking the the koji is taking the rice's starch turning into sugar, while at the same time, the sugar is getting turned into alcohol, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, to me, coming from the beer world, that's crazy in <laughs> it my is mind. crazy. Uh, like, how did you uh, – you, you told me a little bit earlier about how you measure the alcohol through the whole process and, and know kind of where you're at, but – uh, talk a little bit about the, that fermentation process and the, that co-ferment. Is it co-fermentation? Mm-hmm. Multiple parallel yeah, fermentation. Parallel. Yeah.
5: That's yeah. that's the word that was made up to describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it is very different. <laughs> because, yeah, you're having multiple types happening in, in concert or parallel with one another. Um, like you said, yeah, you're getting sacrification and fermentation like at the same time. And, and juggling that is y- you have to be able you have to measure that along the way to make sure that everything is happening and it's like a homeostasis or <laughs> you know yeah. nothing's the koji's not because you don't want too powerful of a koji uh, or too many like enzymes rather mm. uh, because then you get a high dose of sugar and then the yeast can't like keep up with it uh, you want you want them in balance with one another more or less so you want the enzymes to be breaking down starches as the yeast are consuming them.
1: And, and this is just uh, I think more personal than anything. What's the sugar? Is it malt uh, it's not maltose at that stage is it or is it maltotriose?
5: Oh. Uh it's so these yeast can uh they can ferment maltotriose. Okay. I think they are they they can do that. Um but yeah, it's it's like a I think all the above. <laughs> okay. Maltose, the simplest is going to be glucose. Yeah. Right. It'll eventually get there, but yeah, there's going to be you know, higher chain sugars, they get converted to lower chain sugars Hmm. throughout that process.
1: Bless my heart, I love that. (laughs) 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 Um, So after you are done with the fermentation process, it's time to kind of separate, and and one of the things you showed us was how it thins out quite a bit during the Mm -hmm. fermentation process. You go from like a oatmeal consistency down <laughs> yeah, to like wet
5: oatmeal down to like milk like yeah. almond yeah. milk uh, cause, with cause a few chunks in there
1: just <laughs> breaking down all those starches into alcohol and alcohol is of course much thinner than the, the starch but mm-hmm. um it, it's it, that that process is really interesting once you get to that point where you've got less solid matter i guess to, and more liquid you've got to kind of separate those two mm-hmm. Can you talk about that
5: yeah so b- the, after the mash is done um there's still a lot of like undissolved rice solids and bits in there, and then bits of koji, um, and we need to basically get the liquid per, per uh, the liquid portion out, and that's the sake. And so we use a press, mm-hmm. just a lever lever press. We load it into small smaller bags, stack them on to, top of one another, and then just squeeze them is the <laughs> simplest Personals. way I yeah hear,
3: i hear a lever and i'm just picturing like someone standing there just going heave, heave. <laughs>
5: uh. but it's just it's basically a uh a metal rectangular box and in japan they're called funes which means boat oh. <laughs> so it's like our big steel boat <laughs> that we load all of our <laughs> sake mash into and squish it out and we're separating all that undissolved you know uh, uh rice bits and yeast all the lees and yeast cake and all that and trying to separate out that liquid and so that will get pressed over the course of two days uh-huh. uh, to try to get as much sake as we can out um and then it goes into a tank to condition uh and then because the the filter uh the filters are not uh it's like a coarse filtration uh-huh. at that point and so there's going to be some solids that make it through um and then we'll condition it, let that settle out, and then uh, take off the settled part, and that'll turn into the messenger. And then, which we, I guess we can go ahead and open the uh, opalescent right now, but that's the Nagori or the ha- the cloudy part. And, and so...
3: This is the only one of these I haven't gotten to try yet. Okay. So like, I'm looking at this one like, I am very intrigued. So and
4: you can sell this as your New England hazy... <laughs> pretty much, <yeah. laughs> I mean, yeah.
2: we're, we're going to dry hop some sake here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You're going to
4: use, like, Japanese
1: hops for this, I'm assuming? Oh, uh, uh, no? I don't like
2: Sriracha uh. I don't know. No, we're, we're probably going to do <laughs> some of the the bangers, like, you know, Citra, Cas-cas- Galaxy. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Um, oh. yeah. Ooh. Well, it's pretty interesting thing with sake and hops is... Uh, the hops react in the presence of oxygen and they turn it pink. So what? it's really yeah. neat looking. It and is. So, weird. yeah. We're, uh, All right. I'm I down. I honestly <laughs> thought you were
3: joking when
4: I heard dry. Then I was like, no. oh, no. Okay. No. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm down. <laughs> Gonna double dry hop some sake. Okay.
1: Yeah. And that's, I mean, uh, uh, I think that's probably where we'll go towards the end of this because there's, you know, you've got two, uh, what I would probably consider more traditional for whatever that means in my, uh, two very traditional. Sake styles types here one uh, a clear sake one a, a cloud cloudy is mm-hmm. that correct on yeah. that side, um, and then the next one is something that I don't think I've seen anywhere else before. Of course, I'm not big in the sake world, but uh, one of those things that I think would be pretty cool.
3: I'm real excited to get back to that last one, but also yep. this is real good. Uh, <laughs> sorry, but yeah,
5: so the the you know the solids mm-hmm. that make it through the press and into the tank you can mix those up and that makes another type of sake which is called Nagori which is means cloudy mm-hmm. or hazy um didn't even
3: know that existed until <laughs> until I came <laughs> down here the first time I was like oh hmm. all right I was like "Like, yeah we have three different kinds there are different ki- all right um <laughs> sure
5: <laughs> but yeah the, the and you can control that amount based on you know how porous the bags are um but that that little bit that makes it through just gives it a different uh, sensory experience because you've got some of the undissolved rice like solids and starches and and koji that makes it through. and gives like a unique mouth mouthfeel. I was gonna say yeah. it's got
3: a very different mouthfeel, which is and it's nice. the same sake, it's
5: the yeah. same batch. It's yeah. Just just a little less filtered. Yeah, <laughs> and
2: you get a little bit more sweetness out of this one than our messenger yeah. as well. I could see that for sure. Um,
1: and is that because some of the, some of the sweetness kind of hangs on with those starches a little yeah,
5: bit? When you effect. have the solids and solution mm-hmm.
2: like that, they tend to carry
5: yeah, that. With I think them. it just tricks your brain. Like <laughs> yeah. you're chewing on something more and there's the fruity esters and stuff. It's just so your brain says, yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs>
3: it's, it's a, it's a lot of weird in my brain too. Cause it looks down it sees white and it goes milk and it goes, no, not milk. <laughs> uh,
0: it tastes like, and,
3: and this is a stupid,
0: yeah. this is going to be a stupid thing to say, um, because it's a rice-based dessert, and I'm like, well, dessert. duh. Uh, the, the the dessert that you get at, mm. like, the Indian restaurants, and I can't remember the name of it to save my life, but that's what it tastes like, that, like, rice yogurt kind of dessert. What uh. is the name of that? It's going <laughs> to drive me crazy. I'll look it up, but that's what it tastes <laughs> like to me. It,
1: but it's really good. Um, Yeah. So uh, that, that mouthfeel really actually changes quite a lot in, I think, the way you – um, perceive everything on the. Uh, even though I, I feel myself drinking it a little bit slower, enjoying that mouthfeel a little bit more than than the one before, uh, but I enjoy that a lot. It's That's a really good. nice. That that viscosity, yeah. Um, yeah, helps things hang on a little bit longer. I think. Oh yeah.
2: And you know, we played with that with the the third socket we're going to be tasting. We're kind of playing with that whole creaminess aspect. Yeah. Um. The the weight of it to carry the flavors through, and you know, we're going to really be playing around with that. Um. Turns out Nagori is not really popular in Japan, <laughs> but it's very popular in America. I, I was gonna say, <laughs> and <laughs> it so feels
3: like it's much more popular here. <laughs> yeah,
2: so we're definitely planning on really exploring that uh, with like you know culinary inspirations and doing different flavors with it. So nice. Um, next time I go to Whole Foods, I expect to see this in the
1: like the oat milk. And <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and rice milk. We right. need rice milk, but Hard this rice rice style. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, it's an Indian rice pudding, and I'm yes. gonna say it wrong, but Kheer question mark k-h-e-e-r yes that's what it tastes
5: like that's how i generally describe it's like rice pudding yeah okay yeah i was gonna
3: say like when you were trying to like that rice dessert you mean pudding (laughs) but (laughs) i was assuming you're looking for a more specific word than that so i was i was
0: looking for the actual
3: yeah yeah.
1: so what what have we as far as the process goes what have we not talked about that's kind of important pasteurization Uh, pasteurization. okay that's right yeah because that's so everything here is pasteurized i think Mm -hmm. you said right um, and that is because the flavors could change over time. Um, mm-hmm. It denatures the enzymes. So what, el- like, what are we looking at?
5: Yeah, there? really, the, the, the enzymes, because they're exoge- exogenous, uh, they're just going to keep working. Like, even th- with the koji gone, they're just going to keep working. And um, it will alter the flavor as you age it. And so pasteurizing is just going to denature all those and kill and destroy those enzymes.
1: So unlike in brewing, one of the reasons you boil is to denature the enzymes. Here, mm-hmm. you pasteurize because it's happened after that, that mm-hmm. whole fermentation process to get rid of that.
5: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're also making it, I guess, sterile or like... Shelf-stable. Yeah, shelf more. Stable. It's, yeah. b- it's basically just shelf-stable. We're stabilizing the flavor um, mm-hmm. in the bottle.
1: And that's pretty much the standard across... All sake, uh, most sake.
5: <laughs> most uh, uh, there are so there is a different kind of sake. It's called nama. It's just unpasteurized, uh, and it's it's a livelier drink because um, you're getting and, and it changes over time. So even after the pasteurization process, it does change the flavor a little bit, mm-hmm. but it just keeps it
1: stable. At that mm-hmm. s- at that point, it may change it a bit, but it's not going to change mm-hmm. from there on. Nice. Um, with these, they're all still. Um, I, I don't think when you're talking about sparkling sakes, mm-hmm. uh, what <laughs> I see a, a smile. So is that a is that something in the sake world that's kind of like eh, it's, it's kitschy or is that uh, okay?
5: No, I mean Brandon, you know, step in if yeah. I miss something. But we're we are experimenting. There is a there are I guess like two kinds of sparkling sake. There's like the low abb forced carbs like very crushable like flavored kind of sake i mean
1: so yeah and then that's that's kind of hip in the world right <laughs> now just
2: just change out the starch that you're using to make the the alcohol at that stage yeah yeah they're, they're not really technically sakes i'm not sure because you can only so to well in japan to classify it as sake you can only use water to dilute it you can't add anything else to it so the CO2 would be a... So, yeah, you'd have to do something like... Uh, there's uh, there's a couple examples you can get over here where they are actual sake and they're sparkling, but they're uh, kind of more like our, um, our opalescent. They have rice solids in there. They kind of capture the process and, and bottle it, and so it's still fermenting almost gotcha. yeah, because okay. you're not allowed to add more sugar to it or anything like that. You could possibly break some more rice down with some koji and add to that, and then, you know... Kind of like
1: a Method Chepemois or yeah, something yeah. like yes, that. Yes,
2: and we're and planning on doing s- uh, something very similar to that. We uh, have some French Oak Ritalin racks. Uh, mm. We're definitely going to do Method of Champagne on some, but, mm. oh. I mean, we're not in Japan, so we can <laughs> kind of <laughs> play with <laughs> it <laughs> yeah.
1: Nice. Um, so, next up, well, I'll, is everybody finished up? Um, the, the Coffee Nagori. So, that one is a reanimator. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm assuming it, the reanimation aspect of it because it's got Herbert West, it.
5: Yep. reanimator. Yep, <laughs> that's one of my like the um, oh I forget the the movie the like 80s or 70s movie that they did. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the actors in it. Oh, it that's was terrible. Yeah, it was that's on, one it, of my favorite. It's on movies. Netflix every yeah. Halloween.
4: Yeah,
5: <laughs> that's one of my favorite movies, and that's where yeah. So reanimator because it's the coffee's very invigorating, and and whatnot, and keeping to our you
2: know lovecraft roots too lovecraft yeah. sci-fi
5: <laughs> horror themes yeah that's where we came up with the name.
1: um so uh, is oh. this something that that you <laughs> saw out there you had tried out there before nah, or? no
2: so <laughs> it kind of we stumbled on it so like we were um we basically so to make our sakes we fermented up to you know 17 ish percent alcohol and then we diluted it down with water so instead of using water, we diluted this one down with cold brew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just so happens our, our neighbor over here is Nate's, Nate's coffee. Okay. And so uh, we just – we had – I don't know if we really had any inspiration from anything else. Uh, um, we did do
5: the uh, – I guess during the pandemic, uh, they did the beta testing of that Amazon Explorer. Yeah, so we kind of
2: – we did this thing where we did like a virtual tasting of a, a Japanese like sake bar in Tokyo. And it was really cool because there's a few of us just sitting on a couch and you kind of <laughs> z- they take you over to a guy who does like a virtual tasting with you. And you got to ask him questions. It's very private like that. He doesn't really get to see you, but you got to see him kind of thing. And uh, he was explaining to us and this was after we had made this the sake that it is actually kind of um, popular in Japan to mix uh, coffee with nigori sake and put it over like ice. <laughs> and that's like a brunch drink and we were just like oh that's awesome we like because you know we kind of came up with this idea on our own and just kind of helped us like you know like validate like our idea was actually something that has some wings and you know
1: japan's got this the cold coffee in cans that's really cool you can find it in you know most mm-hmm. vending machines train stations whatever which uh, i think is really neat so combining that coffee aspect and the, uh, just like you were saying uh, that's
4: really neat this is a can this tastes just like a canned cold brew latte like that's exactly <laughs> what this is, only with uh some A B V to it. Yeah. I am yep. I am very
2: happy with this. <laughs> yeah, this has been a surprise. But, I mean, we knew it was pretty neat and but we weren't expecting the reception. Like everybody really loves this. So the,
3: yeah. yeah. When I came in to to buy stuff for the first time here, uh uh Joe was mm-hmm. back there and he I'm just he's like, Oh yeah, we've got these three and I'm like, We've got this one here and it's got, you know, coffee. He's like I mean, can I try it real quick? He's like, Yeah, sure. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> <laughs> give me that, and and I'll take the I'll take the messenger too. Well.
1: So you all are open right now Sundays mm-hmm. for a bottle pickup, correct? So that's kind of right now as you're you're getting uh, started up and getting everything kind of for your not really tap room tasting room <laughs> tasting, room. Yeah, tasting room. room as you get things set up and and ready to go um, Sundays from what time? 12 to 4. 12 to 4 is usually the go-to. Do you need to pre-order anything before you come and pick up? Mm-mm.
5: You no. can if you want, but no. Yeah, okay. you can pre-order. Uh, basically, you can order online on our website, um, and then pickups are when we're open on Sunday. Gotcha. And then, Or you can just come in person mm. and then sample and, bu- and purchase.
4: Um, So what about uh, <clears throat> do you have a grand opening date for, like, to set? Like, hey, this is going to be when the, uh, the bottle room, tap room, tasting room, whatever... You're going to lean toward, like, when it's going to be open and inviting for guests to come in and imbibe on on premises.
5: We have a loose date. It's not an official date yet, but it's going to be probably mid-May, I would say. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we have a, a few things we have. We did not anticipate having to do, like, build out a second bathroom. (laughs) Um, So we're just in the middle of doing that. And uh, as soon as that gets done, that's really the last obstacle. We just get a couple of people to come in, sign off on some stuff, and we should be open. We love our regulatory agencies. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'll hail the bureaucracy. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Um,
3: All right. uh, So... You know, discussing like yeah, you know, you've, you've done the the thing with coffee. Are there any other uh, new new ideas you guys are working oh, on? Yeah. For mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: yeah, So I think the next flavor, the one that was a huge hit when we did it um, when we were doing smaller batches, was a horchata one. So oh. we do <laughs> okay. we do vanilla and cinnamon, and you get these little flecks of cinnamon that just N- and you kinda, get perfection. Uh, yeah, it looks so cool in the glass too. Like it, vanilla seeds and yeah, everything. Yeah, it just, it like, just looks. Yeah. It's just it's just good. It's really good. <laughs> it's um, <just> good. <laughs> Uh, we're probably gonna uh, try and do some more R and D on a matcha one, mm-hmm. so or like
5: tea or floral or mm-hmm. you know floral type, yeah. like spice or ingredients, I guess. Uh,
2: Teas. So <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe use a uh, local honey. We're looking, we're thinking about that for just mm-hmm. a little bit of back sweetening to kind of enhance that. You know what you would perceive as like a sweet or a, a, a green tea kind of
1: drink mm-hmm. is it the same um at the the federal level since you're registered as a brewery for the feds you can as long as you keep like 50 percent of your um like when you you're doing
2: the honey that mm-hmm. that's yeah. only a, a, a
1: small portion of it yeah, so you're not necessarily yeah. have yes, to do a wine yes, license at yeah. the state level we're, i mean at
2: the, the federal level we're fine adding ingredients like that it's all ttb approved um as far as, like, sake goes, it's like Justin was saying earlier, they just really don't know how to define <laughs> it so well. So we do have a – federally, we have a brewing license. Statewide, we're a small farm winery.
4: Um, <laughs> yep. We're
2: going to apply for a brewing license mm-hmm. in the state, so we can actually – we're planning on getting a rice lager contract brewed for us. Nice. So we're just going to have, like, a little smasher on, you like, know, on tap here.
4: You may call uh, the guys at Urban Artifact if you get some real weird stuff there because I know they've been fighting uh, a lot of federal – they have to deal with the state of Ohio – but uh, they're using so much fruit and they're making beer technically, but then a lot of places <laughs> want to say you're using so much fruit, it's we're calling it a wine, and they've been caught up in a lot of yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: yep. yeah. So we haven't run into that yet. <laughs> yeah, good, good stuff there. Uh,
0: <laughs> I have a question, not well, it relates to sake, obviously, but like but it's not relating to what you're probably about to ask. Um, because so I was looking because I get distracted because whatever uh, I was looking up sake sets after we we're talking about the glassware, <laughs> like you do, and, uh, and
4: into Japanese tea sets. Yeah, well, no, that was
0: just in there I think, but uh, because Etsy. Uh, but um, and a lot of the, so one of them had a candle in it, and I was and, and it brings me to the yeah. question, hot sake. Mm -hmm. yay or nay like is it a preference thing or is it like no you're supposed to do this it's it's more of a preference
2: thing we we tend to want people to enjoy our sake first cold Mm -hmm. um or you know cooler than you know your average we tend to prefer it around 50 degrees or so um it gets a little bit more expressive as it warms up uh we have had it warm or hot um it's not you know it's something we're definitely going to be doing especially in the colder months but Mm -hmm. as far as in general we want all of our sakes to we'd like them to be consumed on the cold side
0: okay. yeah. So that, yeah i
5: was just interested about that <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, it's a, i was gonna say it's it's a there in japan there are like i think 12 different mm-hmm. like class or like classifications of like hot sake or like kon sake <laughs> and they're all like within two degrees celsius of w- one another <laughs> oh okay <laughs> So it's not like it's like <laughs> oh oh yeah. it's it's a so you have like slightly chilled and room temp and slightly warm then slightly warmer than that but um <laughs> but each one like at each level it does g- express itself differently because um, we've had in the winter we've had uh sake really like where you can like barely hold the cup like hot <laughs> in the winter and it's very nice and like uh i guess refreshing or cozy feeling uh, but like it's comforting comforting, comforting yeah um but yeah like uh, we've had the messenger uh, warm or, like, slightly above room temp, and it, it does get very expressive in mm. terms of, like, the, the esters and the fruitiness of
1: it. So, mm. are we to the point where we're going to switch over from bourbon hot toddies to sake <laughs> hot toddies? <laughs> yes. no. Ooh. I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> a pretty good idea. <laughs> 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 um,
2: yeah, that's one thing. We're, you know, so the biggest thing for us, I think, going into the market is the education aspect. It's a very foreign drink, you know, <laughs> obviously, yeah, <really. laughs> uh, to explain things to people and to, to, you know, show them, like, how it's special and why, you know, how they should enjoy it and, like, you know, what to look for in it. Um, that's that's a huge part of what we're going to be doing. But another thing is, you know, sake is actually just really good at making cocktails. Uh, it's a good component in those. So, uh, we've definitely already you know, approached several bartenders around town to experiment with the sake, and that's something we're planning on doing when we open up here is to have sake cocktails because um, that's just another way for people to get into it and then be like, oh, wow, this is pretty interesting, and, and then from there, you know, explore it further. Uh, currently,
1: you all are tap room only d- or, well, uh, the tasting room-only distribution. Mm-hmm. Um, any plans to get into shipment or anything like that? I know Kentucky's weird right now. Um,
5: well, we do have a distributor yes. mm-hmm. that we that uh, does retail sales. So, um, we we're in Louisville, Lexington, and Northern Kentucky. Uh, we're at Party Source. Okay, that you can get us there. <laughs> so, the Cincinnati peeps can can get us. Party Source
4: <laughs> is a quarter mile away from our apartment. <laughs> we so, <laughs> well, hell yeah.
1: <laughs>
5: so yeah, it on the way back home. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so yeah, we we do have a distributor that um that does. You know, send our stocky out and retail.
1: And who is the? Do you, are you able to? Yeah, okay. it's
5: uh, Nolan distributed okay. Distribution.
2: They're the ones that were with Shel. Uh, it was the Shelton brothers. So he was. Yeah. He he was originally at Dauntless, and they uh they ended up going out of business. Um, he decided to start his own up, and so he is basically going to be picking up a lot of the pieces, though, as far as. Um, He's getting a lot of the Belgian beers in, like the the Dre Fontaine, the Cantillon, Cantillon, all those. Somebody's got to pick up that Shelton, Shelton Brothers yeah. slack. Yeah, exactly. So he's going to have that uh, coming into his beer. Right now, he's just doing wine, focusing on wine. He has uh, a awesome. us, uh, Wisebird cider, and another local winery. Uh, Silver Springs. Silver Springs, yep. yeah. So from there, you know, it, it's it's great because you know we're actually good friends with him in real life. Uh, you know, not professionally, we're just you know buds. So uh, he's. He loves us, you know, and it's really nice to have a relationship like that with somebody who sells it because they actually give a crap about it. And it's not just, you know, numbers on a sheet of paper. Absolutely. So, uh, we're really excited about working with him and moving forward with that. And we feel like, you know, it's a pretty open market for us, obviously, being the only crap sake brewery <laughs> yeah. in the state. And yeah. So
1: I know right now on the website, uh, Bob and I probably know him as Justin. Uh, <laughs> we know him as Bob. uh. He and I have already um, joined the 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 club or the the group that you've got. Oh, um, the, the oh fellowship. Yeah. The yeah. fellowship. Yeah. So, I didn't realize you <laughs> we were both fellowship so So yeah. um, talk I, a little bit about that because if somebody's <laughs> wanting to support you, I feel like that's a great way to do it.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, the fellowship, uh, we we filled out all 50 members, so we'll see I, maybe I, next I may year.
3: Be, I think I'm in, I may not be in group one. I might be in group two or three or something for, for sign-ups, but I know I, like, I immediately went, I'm signing up as soon as they give me a spot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just for us to try and because we're a winery, like Mm -hmm. I said, um, we can do a wine club, which is really pretty unique. Um, You know, being from our craft brewing background, we can't do anything like this. So we're definitely exploring that avenue of it where we can have a target audience that actually does get like a discount on sake, you know, and there's, you know, other perks of just, you know, we're having events only for fellowship members. Uh, You get, Custom glassware, you know, pins. It's just a fun thing to really kind of like celebrate the the idea of the void and the eth- you know the myth mythos of it and all that. So, um, you know,
4: have our own little cult. Oh, I was, say, I was thinking following. like D and D nights at this <laughs> yeah, yeah. point, you know. <laughs> Ooh, D and D night down at the void. Yeah. <laughs> How many cults am I in? Uh, <laughs> it's not a cult. I say at least at least not, cult. At least <laughs> not one because well, hashtag not, hashtag not a, cult. a cult.
3: hashtag not a cult. Yeah, that's it. That's a joke I'll explain sometime. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so what, wh- you know, as far as folks coming out supporting you right now, Sunday's coming in by and from, from mm-hmm. noon to four, how else can they kind of support you? Um, do you have a hashtag or a, a kind of social media, media that you ever? like to promote on right now?
5: Uh, yeah, we're on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but as far as hashtags go, we, we have a bunch. Yeah, There's we always do a hashtag uh,
2: Void Saki. Yeah,
1: hashtag so Void sake. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and then your website address, what is that?
2: Uh dot com. Awesome. And uh, on there's our online store. We have a little bit of merch. We're going to be getting a lot more as now that we're we're kind of starting to open up and getting some money coming in by selling some sake. Yeah. Keep looking uh, at Justin
3: going. I want one of these hats.
5: <laughs> yeah. they're have, they're coming down. We, yeah. we <laughs> got some hats
2: coming. We got some glassware coming very shortly. Um, we have shirts. We're going to have more designs. You know, as they as they develop. Awesome. All right. All right. What have we
1: not asked today that you think <laughs> that we should ask
2: you?
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll probably I, do
3: sake
5: yeah. bombs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the that's if, the question. If I you mean, a, if you ask
2: for it, we won't say no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, whatever way we can sell some sake to you know open people up to it. this Sh- is it, is it soju?
4: Soju? 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 Have you all thought about soju? any soju?
5: soju? Well, there's soju and then there's soju. Oh. Soju,
4: so so Korean, Korean. Korean. Yeah. the Korean, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: So shochu, yeah. shochu. Yeah. yeah, that's but, not something we're. I mean we we wouldn't, wouldn't mind exploring that with the local distillery but uh we'd have to have a distilling license ourselves to right, yeah. so really explore that. We Our, yeah.
3: We had some friends of the show that uh uh did uh did some deployment in Korea. So mm-hmm. we we got introduced to soju from them and so we were like, "Oh yeah." And then then there's a similar thing in Japan that is so
2: Soju's so much better in my. <laughs> <opinion>. <laughs> uh they will love to hear that. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah you and you it's it's a dumb easy thing to do but it's like oh just pour some Sprites or soju yep. and you're you're going to be blackout yeah, out in a little better. while because <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, that's uh, that 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 hides real well yeah
1: so i can't wait to see more from you all um yes. especially oh, yeah. going this creative with the coffee this early and and you know not oh, just yeah. going straight out the gate with just your your traditionals i love that um i i love the the idea of it and so we just can't wait to see more from you guys
5: I've, yeah, and I've like we said, once we get the tap room up or the tasting room <laughs> open, say tap room,
1: but tasting room, <laughs> which which brings actually a question: uh, well, Do you can you do keg to sake? I mean, is that yeah? yeah
2: you could. We're we're trying to figure that out. So yeah. back backing up to the pasteurization process, we bottle pasteurize everything. We're trying to figure out how to basically bulk pasteurize on our scale. So we would basically take it from the tank. Pasteurize it on the way to a keg, so mm. to make that keg stable. Yeah. So when you're talking about bottle
1: pasteurization, you're saying put it in the bottle, then put it into your steamer, maybe. Yeah, or we, we uh, heat yeah, a
5: whole bunch of water up, and, okay. then, yeah. and then we cool it's it down water after bath. that. Yeah, okay, yeah. awesome. But uh, but yeah, once we you know get that going, we'll we could uh, have ke- like kegs of sake, but um, we're probably get, we're going to be serving, a, uh, plan on serving namas to introduce people into that and the unpasteurized.
1: Uh, and namazar—that's like the unpasturized. Unpad- oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
5: Um, just because it—it it, it is a very—it's—it's it's a different experience, and that might turn a, you know a lot of people on to that type of sake. But we'll also have—we plan on doing some uh, ginshu, which is the uncut, uh, like 17, 18 percent. <laughs> oh, yeah, unadulterated. <laughs> huh. Yeah, yeah by water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which awesome. it's yeah that. It's it's a fun it's a fun it's a fun style to drink because it's very lively it's very aggressive I won't say (laughs) it's not it's not aggressive as in like alcohol hot it's just a lot of flavors yeah Mm
4: -hmm. yeah see that all right no I think that's uh we've we've had we've used enough of your guys' time
1: (laughs) we appreciate that so much thank you for having us in here yeah thank you on site. Um, and for anybody else that um, is interested, y- you know, three great sakes out here in Lexington, Kentucky, from the Void Sake Company. Yeah.
3: Kentucky's only sake.
4: I think you typically do a sign-off. If you'd like to no, get some
1: great resources, <laughs> you can visit Have a Drink Show on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I don't know. None of us have any. <laughs> I don't memorize it. I just say it off the page. <laughs> yeah, We have
5: had three so. <laughs> <laughs> sakis. Excuses. You know, if
3: you want to give us any feedback, you can use feedback at dra- haveadrinkshow.com or uh, smoke signals, the feedback page on the website. Uh, sandwich boards aren't super useful. We can't see them from where you are. <laughs> uh, and yeah.
4: Unless you're down here in the street, but all joking and fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly.
3: <laughs> see, two of us know what we're doing ouch
4: (laughs) Uh,
0: so uh, you can check us out in another couple of weeks for the next live episode uh, or or another week actually you know whatever guys Uh, it depends on when I get this edited and put up doesn't it Uh, (laughs) so uh, usually every other Saturday on twitch.tv slash have a drink show and once again I'm Brittany Lee Walker I'm Justin Frazier
4: I'm Christopher Walker we're joined today
1: by
5: Justin LaVarland
2: and Brandon
1: With the Void Socket Company, I'm Casey Price. We'll see you
5: next time.
4: Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this (laughs) program.